And now, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network presents Anthony Gizmondi and BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony. Hello, British Columbia. I'm Anthony Gismondi, and welcome to the show uh, today. Very busy show today. Uh, just before we get started, uh, I thought I would point you perhaps over to the Vancouver Sun this weekend, uh, where I'm writing about red wine, mostly about structure, texture, and mouthfeel. I know, I know, you don't really want to hear about that, but the story is more about the way tannins have been managed over the last 25 years. And for people who always say to me, "This wine is too big," or "It's too dry," or "It," Uh, you know what is tannin? I always say to people, tannin. Get, you know, get a get a Kleenex, put it in your mouth, and pull it back out. And that dryness in your mouth—that's the tannin. Most of that has gone away from red wines over the last 25 years. And so all these great red blends that we're seeing today—some in BC, of course, the south of France, Italy, uh, Australia, South America—they all have soft tannins. What we call soft, round, ripe tannins—tannins tannins that are perfectly ripe and don't taste green. So. Look for that this weekend. I, I've got a number of wines that you can try in all different price ranges, Not some of them not very expensive, uh, mostly improved by the tannin in the wine. Now, on today's show, uh, we're going to talk with Phil McGann. He's the winemaker at Checkmate Artisanal Winery. That winery is uh, complete and ready to go. We'll talk about a couple of wines with Phil Ross Borland. He joins us from Vessel Liquor in Victoria, we're going to talk about what's going on in retail uh, shopping and get some tips for Valentine's Day. Also, we'll speak with Ian Tossenson to talk about uh, what's happening with restaurants, how they will open up over the next month or two. Very interesting topic there about how they're evolving. And finally, up next, Christine Coletta from Okanagan Crush Pad and Haywire Wines in Summerland joins us. Plus, there's some big news from the team here at BC Food & Wine Radio. All that coming up next. We'll be right back. I'm Anthony Gismondi. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. Penticton, the hub of the South Okanagan, a place where you'll learn to fall in love with winter all over again. Enjoy mountain adventures. Visit almost 100 wineries, craft breweries, cideries, and distilleries, and experience world-class locally sourced restaurants. It's the perfect destination for a relaxing winter getaway. But before you go, make sure to check the website for updates on weather, highways, health advisories, or for more trip inspiration. Go to visitpenticton.com. Taste the flavors of the season at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Their heated patio is open with more space for you to dine safely. So come enjoy a menu showcasing ingredients from their on-site culinary garden. Pair your meal with a new release Summerhill wine for an extraordinary organic experience. The flavors of the season are in abundance at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Online, summerhill.bc.ca. As someone who is starting or adding to their wine or spirits collection, you recognize your choice of a reputable supplier is paramount. As the only auction in Canada dedicated to fine wines and spirits, Iron Gate Auctions offers buyers a safe and inexpensive way to initiate or enhance their collections. They're experts in the field, and all of their offerings are meticulously sourced from private sellers across Canada. To find out more, visit irongateauctions.com. 
winter blues, change them to red, white, and more at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery and the Modest Butcher in West Kelowna. Stop in for free tastings in the wine shop, enjoy happy hour at the Modest Butcher, and dig into the new Modest Brunch every Sunday. Plus, watch for the launch of the Modest Tribute Dinner Series, one night to experience delicious flavors from around the world. For more details, visit ModestButcher.com. And now, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network presents Anthony Gizmondi and BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gizmondi. Hello, British Columbia, from Salmon Arm to Terrace and all 18 other cities across the province, listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Our guest is Christine Coletta. She's a co-owner of Okanagan Crush Pad. Uh, you may know the Haywire Wines as well and many other. Christine, welcome back to the show. Great to have you. Thank you for having me. Uh, my pleasure. You may notice that I'm alone today. Uh, we've had some big news here this week about uh, Casey Wilson. She's... Uh, Decided to move on to other projects and uh, relax a bit with her her grandkids. So uh, she's left the show, but she's been around for 25 years and left quite a legacy. I can't even remember when I first met uh, Casey. It was that long ago. Uh, And, man, have we ever had some memorable times. Yeah. Uh, And and you were along for most of them. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking it was at the Park Royal Hotel, but you, we, we did talk about uh, Summerhill too, which was kind of an interesting uh, event. Yes, uh, and this was years back. This was would have been in the early 1990s. We were all in the pyramid with Stephen Sipes, and we were moving our arms around, feeling the energy of the pyramid, <laughs> and your wedding ring flew off your hand into the uh, into the depths of the pyramid. Yeah. And uh, Casey was so worried for you that uh, she spent the next hour searching with a flashlight uh, yeah. for your wedding ring and actually found it and yes, brought it back. It. Well, actually, David Loris and I were laughing so hard because at the start, you, you know, we knew nothing about biodynamics or and uh, Stephen had said you have to take off your watch and your rings, which we, you know, dutifully did. And then uh, somehow it slipped away, and uh, and it, there was no power in the place. It was pitch black, and we yeah. so anyway we eventually found it. Uh, I say one of many many escapades with Wilson over the over the years, uh, which uh, uh, was always oh. it was never boring, as I would say, never boring. Well, and also so much like Casey to be thinking of other people and worrying about other people. She was always the mother hen for all of us, and yeah. especially you. I mean, yeah. my goodness. Um, <laughs> but she, she was be, always hovering over and worrying about all like, of us. Yeah, she, she was like my shield, too. Now I don't have this shield where people, you know, where I'll have to interact with more people because, you know, I'm that... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the wine writer who, you know, doesn't, who's always grouchy and blah, blah, blah. But there you go. Uh, she's not going too yeah. far. She'll be around. We'll hear from her. But uh, I thought it'd be nice to just hear one story or two from you about that. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, lots of lots of wonderful times. And I'm yeah. sure we'll have more wonderful times with Casey to come. Uh, we certainly will. Our guest is uh, Chris Coletta. She's the uh, co-owner of Okanagan Crush Pad. 
Chris, I've been talking to a lot of people about organics over the winter, uh, more and more vineyards coming on on, uh, on stream in the Okanagan. It's becoming quite a big story now, uh, organic grape growing. It really is. And um, I must thank our friends at Mission Hill for uh, diving in in a big way. Um, you know, when they finish their trans, uh, transition to organic, I believe they're adding uh, about 1,200 new uh, yeah. acres to the organic pro- program, which makes it a significant uh, deal for us in the in the in the Okanagan. Yeah, well, my calculation is about it's almost over. I think it's over twenty percent now, which is is super high if you look around the world for a percentage in a region. I know it's a small region, but still, it's a great start. Uh, it, but I it guess really my, is. But my question about that, and it is to everybody, is how do we know you are sort of a big proponent of getting certified? Uh, do you feel like that's the the route that everybody will take eventually? I do believe so, and I know people that uh, said they were never going to get certified are actually now certified, and uh, my friends down the the road, Sage Hills, are now organic certified, which is wonderful. Yeah, and I believe that. Uh, we need to be all communicating the same message to consumers. Yeah. And uh, the way to do that is with uh, authenticity and truth in labeling. And the way forward for all of us as a region is to certify. Yeah. Uh, are retailers useful for this? Like, how, how do you feel like when you go in a, a private wine shop or the liquor store, are they doing a good job with organics? They're getting could- there. I think that some of them put them in their own sections. And I think yeah. that was a bit of a mistake. I think they should be um, interwoven with uh, regular commercially made wines. Mm-hmm. And then that way people can uh, make decisions for themselves and discover them in their routine uh, shopping uh, patterns. Yeah. Uh, I also wonder, like, we have this, it looks like a pretty impressive sustainable program. Is that a good first step for some people who may, you know, can't jump in right away or... I believe it is, and anything that uh, encourages people to farm more responsibly and more thoughtfully is is great. And this particular program also carries it into the cellar, which we have done. Our um, winery is uh, certified as well as our vineyards. Uh, so it's great. It, it, it um, encourages people to be mindful in the way they're producing uh, wines and growing grapes, and, and all of that is good. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think we'd have to talk about uh, the virus in year three, <laughs> but uh, it still hasn't slipped away. How, how does that affect your planning, or what, what What are you thinking about for this year? How will you open up and and uh, carry on your business? Uh, we're not going to open up this year, um, and I'll, I'll you'll be the first to know. Whoa! <laughs> yes, uh, we are closing for renovations. And uh-huh. uh, we are going to be expanding our tasting room, and we thought we'd take the opportunity to do it. Uh, well, there's so much uh, uncertainty. Yeah. Um, last year was just really so hit and miss with uh, COVID rebounding and uh, public health officials telling people to avoid the Okanagan, and and then the smoke and the fires that came. So very unpredictable season for us and uh, we have no idea what this year will bring we're hoping that it's a robust season uh, but we're taking the opportunity to renovate okay 
That sounds good. <laughs> that sounds good. You're always renovating, though. I mean, I guess there's no room left in the winery. That's the point. There is no room left in the winery, and I am married to a uh, fellow who loves construction. Yeah. You do remember that individual. So. Yeah, that kind of helps. He's best uh, with a hammer. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got a great website, so people can check out. They probably can. Do you think people will be able to follow along when you have some photos up at some point when you start uh, renovating? Or we definitely will. We've, uh, we're very good at having a live uh, webcam up so that people can follow along with the progress. And as we close in on it, we'll have uh, Scott Sumi, who's a Vancouver artist, will be returning. And we'll apply artwork to the new new section of the building. I can't let you go today. I want to talk a little bit about uh, uh, Valentine's Day and uh, what kind of wines people are drinking. I know that rosé is always big. Pink wines are big. So what what can they uh, what can you offer our listeners this week uh, to maybe prepare some of them to pick up some wine for Valentine's Day? Well, any any of the large private retailers uh, will be carrying our Haywire Gamay Rosé, which is one of my favorites. I absolutely love that wine. And we also have the Narrative Rosé available. And uh, we are bringing back, out of stock right now is our Haywire Pink Bub sparkling wine. But Anthony, we've had so many requests for that product that we're actually bringing it back. It'll be available in about a month's time. And (laughs) I have never received so much hate mail in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, Uh, had no idea. (laughs) uh, We're speaking with Christine Coletta. She's getting hate mail about a wine. I love that. Uh, A lot of people are buying into their label. They want it, I guess. It's It's really interesting. We thought, well, we'll just... You know, we'll, we'll sort of tighten things up and remove this skew. But uh, I remember years ago, Trudy Heist trying to remove uh, yes. uh, Aaron Felser and getting uh, a similar backlash. So, um, yes, we're bringing back Pink Bob. There'll be lots of happy fans. Wow. I actually remember that conversation uh, uh, of you you and I saying, well, they've got too many SKUs over there at, at Grey Monk, and you were trying to reduce them, and now you're facing the same issues. I love it. <laughs> yes. Uh, we learn over time never to say never. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's great. I, uh, just maybe one more question. I know we've been talking to some people about uh, uh, winter kill or the, you know, the low temperatures. How have you managed this so far? We seem fine. We're out uh, pruning right now. And at Garnet Valley Ranch, we have uh, had a fairly uh, heavy snowpack early on. We get a lot of precipitation there. Uh, It's a very high altitude vineyard site, but always lots of snowpack. So we seem to be fine. And we were fine last year, too. So I'm hearing that it's very specific to specific areas. Um, and as always, my heart goes out to everyone that's facing this. It's so devastating any time it yeah. happens. Yeah. And uh, Mother Nature is uh, never discerning. Um, she picks on all of, all of us at some no. point. Well, so. I don't think I, I, there can't possibly be anything left in terms of weather or environment that we didn't see last year. We hope to, uh, we can only hope for a better year in 2021, I guess. Actually, can, 22. It's 2022, yes. Yeah, exactly. But I'm, I'm okay. If we want to do a makeover on 2021, I'll gladly go and do that over again with a better outcome. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the year we've forgotten, definitely, yeah. or want to forget. 
Chris Coletta, thanks so much uh, for joining us today. It was a pleasure to speak with you and catch up with you, and uh, good luck with all the construction this year uh, at the winery. Thank you very much. Lovely to chat. Okay, Chris Coletta, co-owner of Okanagan Crush Pad and uh, Haywire Wines based out of Summerland. Coming up next, we're going to head to Victoria to speak with Ross Borland. He's the managing partner at Bessel Liquor Stores. Our show is created weekly at BNN Bloomberg Radio 1410 in downtown Vancouver, and it's available on the radio or on demand across all the major podcast platforms, including SoundCloud, Google, and Apple. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio, and I'm Anthony Gismondi. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. Smoking Loon believes that good wine doesn't need to take itself so seriously. This simple premise has guided them for over two decades to produce wines crafted for those with an appetite for adventure, like their Smoking Loon Syrah. So whether you're relaxing dockside or simply enjoying a well-deserved evening at home, bring along a taste of cottage country. Uncork and discover a rare bird at a BC liquor store near you. Or visit smokingloon.com. Take a break from the hustle and bustle of the city and relax in the beautiful South Okanagan. Get outside and enjoy fantastic wine and culinary offerings throughout the region. You'll find over 180 of BC's finest wineries. From the Naramata Bench to Summerland's Bottleneck Drive to Oliver Asuyus Wine Country. But before you go, make sure to check the website for updates on weather, highways, health advisories, or for more trip inspiration. Go to visitsouthokanagan.com. Discover the good life right in your own backyard. Destination, the Watermark Beach Resort in beautiful Asuyus. Featuring spectacular views of Asuyus Lake, walking distance to shops, plus dining at the Watermark's very own 15 Park Bistro. And make sure to book your spring and summer travel now to avoid disappointment at the South Okanagan Resort that defines easy living. Visit watermarkbeachresort.com for full details and keep up to date on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. This winter, the Inn at Therapy Vineyards invites you to get away for a luxurious retreat experience. Modern rooms overlooking the vineyards and Lake Okanagan set the tone for a relaxing stay on the Naramata bench. Sip award-winning Therapy Vineyard wines on your patio, soak in the hot tub, and enjoy a guided tasting experience in the wine shop. Book your room online today or order Therapy Wines delivered to your door at therapyvineyards.com because everyone needs a little therapy. Now, back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia. A shout out to Kamloops and Summerland and all the 18 other cities across the province on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Our next guest takes us to Vancouver Island. Ross Borland is the managing partner at Vessel Liquor Store in Victoria. Ross, how are you today? I am good, Anthony. Uh, thanks for having me on again. Always enjoy talking about wine and, and wine business with you. Yeah, and we enjoy hearing about the island, uh, the island vibe. Uh, let's start there. Like, there's such an amazing uh, culture on Vancouver Island. Do you do you feel it when with your customers they come in looking for wine that they're more than just the average <laughs> wine shopper? I we do, Tony, and and as you know, we we specialize in wine, so we are uh, kind of a destination store. 
for for Greater Victoria. And I know since I moved here 30 years ago, maybe dating myself a little bit there, but the mm. culture here has changed so much. I remember when I first arrived, you know, being in a restaurant and they're vacuuming at 7:30. Like, okay, get out. But yeah. you know, there's really a, a good food and wine uh, vibe here now. Yeah, I wish we had time. I I remember a story at the Bayshore about people vacuuming at seven thirty, <laughs> right under my feet. Uh, it was <laughs> incredible. Anyways, uh, let's talk about. I want to talk a bit about trends that you've seen because sure. I think the business has been turned upside down since the pandemic started. So, what are some of the trends that you've you're seeing now after two years of this uh, crazy pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. We, yeah, of course, you know, we went from, uh, you know, going 50 miles an hour to 1,000 miles an hour uh, on March 17, 2020, uh, yeah. when they announced the closures of restaurants and bars. But, uh, you know, things have settled down a bit uh, since then now. And, uh, you know, there's been developments in, um, you know, uh, uh, shipping and, uh, and you know, availability of product. But, uh, you know, 2022... We are, you know, we're down a little bit compared to, to 2021. Uh, things I hear around the industry, some are down more than others. But, uh, you know, there, there could be, you know, a multitude of reasons for that. As I mentioned, things are opening up again. Uh, people are going back to work at the office. You know, it's pretty hard to have that glass of wine with your lunch if you're eating at your desk. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think people are, you know, they're a little bit more secure in supply chains. You know, they notice our shelves are a little bit fuller. There's not that panic panic buying kind of thing right. going on. Yeah. Well, that sounds that sounds decent. I mean, that, that sounds manageable. What about what they're buying? You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, again, I guess, you know, people have had a, a bit of time during the lockdown to study up a bit on wine, so they're, they're becoming much more adventurous. Uh, you know, we're carrying wines uh, that are selling well, you know, from Australia, uh, Peloponnese and Greece. Uh, so they're really, people are uh, venturing out, trying uh, varieties they've never tried before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and kind of within that trend is is a trend to natural and organic wines. You know, people are trying to eat and drink healthier uh, I think, uh, you know, about a year ago, I did a count. We had about 300 uh, organic natural wines in stock, and I, I have stopped counting now. We have so many. Yeah. Uh, our guest, by the way, is Ross Borland. He's the managing partner at Vessel Liquor Stores in Victoria. Uh, you you guys also do a lot of education. You used to have uh, tastings right on site. I know they haven't been shut down, but you went online. How is that going, and, and will it continue? Yeah, we we did uh, go online. You know, we had had a strong demand for our our classes, even though we weren't doing in-person classes. So we started doing them on Zoom, uh, which actually turned out to be a great thing. Our our classroom could only hold 14 people, but we were doing upwards of uh, two dozen people on our on our Zoom classes, uh, and they they were very popular. They've again with things opening up, it, you know, demand started to wane a little bit near the end of 2021. So we. We did decide to go back to uh, in-person classes in our newly renovated space. We can take up to 22 people now, uh, oh. and uh, that's two pe- uh, with two people per table. At the moment, we're just doing a limited capacity with one per table, so max 11 people. Uh, but uh, yeah, again, strong demand. Uh-huh. We've posted two classes on the on our website so far, and both sold out immediately. And we have a wait list for them both. 
Uh, we're speaking with Ross Borland, so people should actually check out uh, the. You can check out these programs at uh, VesselLiquor.com dot uh, com, and maybe get signed up for one in the future uh, as things open up, which it looks like they may. Uh, Ross, we were going to talk a bit about. Uh, I want to talk a bit about Valentine's Day and maybe get a suggestion from you about that. Uh, how big are these dates for you as a retailer? Like, is that a busy time still, or? It's definitely, uh, a, you know, business picks up certainly around that day, uh, absolutely. Uh, uh, and it, it seems to, through the year, each holiday builds and builds and builds. So, you know, we're right at the beginning now of the, the first start of the, you know, special occasion wine buying time. So uh, so we're looking forward to it. Yeah. So uh, if I asked you what, what you're going to take people towards, I, I know people have many different things that they think about. What, what would you suggest uh, for Valentine's Day to someone who's wandering around hopelessly in the store? <laughs> well, it, you know, <laughs> living with someone who, who really loves bubbly, I would definitely go to uh, a bubbly and specifically champagne. Yeah. Uh, and since it's Valentine's Day, I'd go with, a, a, you know, a rosé, uh, we yeah. have some really nice selections. Uh, a Dutz uh, Brut Rosé, possibly. Uh, they're a really great wine, you know. And again, it's uh, you know you can start the the evening with it, and even kind of transition into dinner with with the champagne. It goes goes with everything. Yeah, sure. You can go through the whole evening. Uh... And, you know, one of the wines I like, especially now, it's kind of, you know, the weather, there's a bit of snow, a bit of rain, it's cold, it's damp. Uh, any sort of port uh, would be fun. And and uh, what I call the sort of no-fuss ports, uh, which are really the tawnies that you can just pop open and start drinking, that that would be a good suggestion, too. And I'd, I'd imagine you have plenty of those available. Absolutely. And uh, we also have... Um some late bottle vintage ports as well. Taylor Fladgate does a, a nice uh, presentation in a small bottle. So if you don't feel like opening or, you know, forking out for that, that you know, 750 ml bottle of port, there are other options. You can get get a smaller bottle. Although, you know, port, you can open it up and uh, it'll stay good on the counter for, for a number of weeks. Yeah. Uh, and again, yeah. the, the late bottle vintage goes with chocolate desserts beautifully uh, for Valentine's Day. Yeah, which I think you know, keep it simple, folks. Get a get a bottle of uh, Tawny Port and buy some really high quality chocolate, and you've got an outstanding uh, dessert. And uh, you didn't really have to do much to pull it together, but it, it'll look like you pulled it together with that bottle of Port. So that's a good idea, uh, Ross. Finally, uh, I always, uh, you know, my big question is how we can get a hold of Vancouver Island wines. You're you're sort of in the thick of it. Do you? When when is the best time to buy them? Is it the spring, or do you have a good selection year round? How how does it work with those wineries? It you know uh, there is a really um, big culture here for buy local, as you know we talked about in the beginning of the show with uh, with the food and wine culture here. You definitely have to get them when they're released because uh, they they sell out locally like crazy. So uh, yeah, just uh, you know keep an eye on the websites for the local producers, Rathjen. Uh, Unsworth, two of the popular ones that we carry, uh, and they're great wines. Yeah, uh, well, I, I tell people all the time, they say, well, I can't find the wine. You've you got to get online and look uh, look at a place like Bessel or even get over there and visit the wineries, I guess, is a good thing. Listen, Ross, yeah. uh, great to catch up with you. Uh, I, I hope the 2022 treats you well, and uh, things maybe things will get back to some sort of normal, at least some new normal for uh, retail 
uh, I think we'd all like to get back shopping. Uh, I, I really miss sort of spending time in the aisles. That's what I like the most is wandering in a store and just, you know, discovering wines. And uh, I, I just feel like I haven't been able to do that for too long a time. Absolutely. You know, that's one thing we noticed during the pandemic is we had to make people wait outside because there were so many people browsing the aisles. It was getting jammed up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Ross, thanks for joining us today, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon when we're on the island. Thanks again, Anthony. That was Ross Borland, managing partner, Vessel Liquor Store in Victoria. Still to come, Ian Tossenson, president and CEO of the BC Restaurant Association, joins us, and we're going to talk about Dine Around Town. Our show is available weekly on 20 radio stations across British Columbia or on demand on all the major podcast platforms, including Google and Apple. There's lots more still ahead. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Sun, water, soil. Organically farmed and made in collaboration with Mother Nature. Liver Farms terroir-focused small lot wines capture the essence of the Okanagan and Similkameen Valleys. Join the wine club and receive delivery of award-winning wines and new releases in spring and fall, plus early access to library wines, complimentary tastings, and more. Visit them this spring to taste in their spacious covered wine garden in Asuyas. Discover more at LiberFarm.com. Simply great wines. Smoking Loon believes that good wine doesn't need to take itself so seriously. This simple premise has guided them for over two decades to produce wines crafted for those with an appetite for adventure. Like their Smoking Loon Syrah. So whether you're relaxing dockside or simply enjoying a well-deserved evening at home, Bring along a taste of cottage country. Uncork and discover a rare bird at a BC liquor store near you. Or visit smokingloon.com. It doesn't have to be alcohol to be rock and roll. It just has to be naughty. Bring the party with Naughty from Thompson & Scott. Beautifully crafted, organic, vegan, alcohol-free sparkling wines that have taken the drinks industry by storm. Beautiful bubbles. No alcohol, no compromise. So go ahead, get naughty. You've got nothing to lose but your preconceptions of what alcohol-free can be. Visit softcrush.ca for more details. Penticton, the hub of the South Okanagan, a place where you'll learn to fall in love with winter all over again. Enjoy mountain adventures. Visit almost 100 wineries, craft breweries, cideries, and distilleries, and experience world-class locally sourced restaurants. It's the perfect destination for a relaxing winter getaway. But before you go, make sure to check the website for updates on weather, highways, health advisories, or for more trip inspiration. Go to visitpenticton.com. Clos de Soleil Winery knows that the best wines keep it simple. It's all about the grapes and the place where they are grown. Minimal handling, minimal intervention, maximum beauty in the bottle. Nestled in a sunny, stony corner of BC's Similkameen Valley, Clos de Soleil produces wines that blend the best of Bordeaux varieties with their unique terroir. The result? Wines that are elegant and effortlessly special. Tastings by appointment or buy online at closdesoleil.ca. Free shipping to BC and Alberta on orders of six or more bottles. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia. We're back. Uh, I think we got the busiest guy in the province on the phone today. Ian Tossenson is the president and CEO of the BC Restaurant Association. Ian, uh, how are you today? 
Hey, I'm great, Anthony. Thanks for having me on. Uh, happy to have you. You sound upbeat. Uh, I know we talked before uh, Christmas, and then things went uh, Omicron crazy. Uh, where are we at today with uh, restaurants, dining, and this this pandemic? How do you see it unfolding now? It's like downloading an app, and you're at eighty percent, and you've got twenty percent more to go. I actually believe that we're coming to a new era. We are expecting to see some changes in uh, the, the health orders in mid February which will probably be more around social gatherings. Uh, but that's going to affect things like, you know, perhaps the Canucks, which are at 50% capacity right now, and weddings. And so those types of events have incremental effects on our industry. But I think it, um, it probably means that some of the restrictions that we have right now in restaurants, and not too many left really, which is the big one is six at a table, um, will probably be removed. And I think from there, uh, we're, we're starting to see the consumer confidence and starting to see people uh, re-emerging back out in restaurants. It's been probably not a bad January comparatively for us. Yeah. What uh, what about, not even just your members, but in general, what does the number of restaurants look like uh, pre-pandemic and now? How, how, is it, how have we fared? Well, 15,000 restaurants in the industry, uh, 190,000 employees, uh, you know, and it's hard to say. We're starting to see, honestly, uh, a bit more um, restaurants closing uh, now because a lot of the federal support money is not available to them anymore. So these are smaller restaurants. I think that we're probably going to contract uh, by 20%. So uh, down at 3,000 or down 3,000 restaurants. So say put it at 12. But yeah. the interesting thing is that we're starting to see reinvestment. You know, we're starting to see people coming in, picking up leases picking up equipment that's uh, that's at a, at a discounted price and having a lot of optimism uh, about uh, the market in the future, which I think is really in line with what the United States has seen, is that they're seeing diners coming back, and there is a huge desire for people that want to get back out and want to start socializing and want to get back out to restaurants and do the thing. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, keeping in mind some of our listeners are global, so when they hear you talk about uh, a bit about the future, what, how do you see restaurants morphing now? They're going. Let's just say there. We we call it a bit of a reopening. How will they look different than uh, they did before the pandemic? You know, the trend across North America is pretty much the same in the United States. We've, you know, we had a a model that was primarily uh, vested in indoor dining and the indoor experience, and then mm-hmm. here, like everywhere else in North America, we we closed. And then we went to takeout and delivery, and then patios became an important part to be outside. And and a lot of the places in North America, that's all they had for many, many months was just patio dining. And so uh, what we're going to see, the, the restaurant of the future is going to sort of have three legs to it. It's going to have a very robust uh, patio program where a lot of patios in this province are going to be made permanent so the owners don't have to keep reapplying for them each year. Um, you'll see... Uh, in-store dining will take on a, a slightly different approach. We may retain plexiglass because people like that privacy. We're going to see more uses of technology at the table, pay at the table, work at the table, which will deal with, you know, customization. Um, it'll help us deal with their labor shortage. You're going to see a much more intimate relationship between uh, restaurants and customers, very similar to retail. Retail will send you and say, Hey, Anthony, we noticed this, and so you might like that. We're going to see more social media involved in customizing the experience by maybe saying, you know, Anthony, we've got a great special on wine this week. We know you like Bordeaux. Come on in. Yeah. Uh, and maybe we'll put 
flowers on the table. So we're going to see that that level of of concierge type service upped, and then we're going to see which was maybe twelve percent, fifteen percent of our overall sales to takeout and delivery uh, is as high now as maybe thirty to thirty five percent. You know, a lot of people still aren't going out, but that's going to stay because restaurants have become innovative. There's alcohol to go. You can curate, you know, different cocktails, um, great wine lists that are being offered online. So uh, I think that that's going to serve our industry a lot better in the future because we'll have different parts of the business that we can kind of um, utilize as opposed to a primary revenue source in store dining. Yeah. Our guest is Ian Tostens. He's the president and CEO of the BC Restaurant Association. Uh, I, I, I might come back to that, but I want to save a bit of time for Dine Around British Columbia. This is another program, and I don't want to confuse people with uh, Dine Out in Vancouver. So what is Dine Around British Columbia, and what, what, how is your involvement? How does this all work for people? Well, with the exception of Vancouver and, and Destination Vancouver, a great job of Dine Out Vancouver, um, we do it on in Victoria. We do it in Comox. Um, we'll do it in Delta, and we do it in, also at the Okanagan and North, where uh, the third week in January we do you know a two to three week dining program. I think it's about three weeks all across the province. It does a couple of things: it gets people uh, out thinking about restaurants again after Christmas. Yeah. And right now uh, we've we're, we've seen some really interesting uh, results, like. Sales increases versus last January of 20 to 30 percent. A lot of restaurants, you know, they're able to sort of show their stuff, do some menu creativity, um, you know, word of mouth, all those different things. So it's really having a great effect uh, this year because um, it gives people a reason to go out. Every time we give them a reason to go out, they come out. So Dino events have been really good. And they're, they're value packaged. So in, in most markets, you'll have sort of three different price points. And yeah. um, which which includes a lot of restaurants. So no, it's really good. We'll see more. I think Anthony, we're looking at doing maybe an, an event around uh, patios in BC. Uh, we'll do something around local food. Every time that we sort of develop a theme and invite uh, our guests out to restaurants, they respond. And I think it's what the industry is going to need to get it back on its feet over the yeah. next uh, year. I would love to see like a summer patio, you know, uh, West Coast dining sort of thing going on, getting, you know, a little bit more organized for people to all head outside and, and dine in the summertime. Could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think you're right. You're out, you are right because we work so hard at getting all the municipalities in BC online and on board with approving patios. Even if you go, say, in North Vancouver, you go up and down Lawnsdale, you can see a lot of patios now are occupying parking spaces. It's hard to drive in lawn sale, but it's better for restaurants. <laughs> and uh, yeah. but it's good, and so we need we need to get that people thinking about that. We need to adopt more of a uh, outdoor patio European style and getting excited totally. about it. So yeah, totally, I, I totally agree with you. I think we all love walking. Uh, I say we all, the lucky of us, walking in streets in uh, in Europe where there are no cars anyways, and uh, there's tables in the lanes and on the street, and it's alive at night. And uh, I don't know. I think I, I hope this pushes us in that direction in a in a maybe perhaps a faster way than it was going to be because it's a, it's a lot of fun. We were fast tracking, and now we're starting to sense, and we'll we'll have to sort of bring this back. Government's gonna go into a bit more of a government mode, especially like you know municipalities. Well, hang on to now, you know regulations and people getting around and accessibility. Yeah. They're going down that road a bit, and we've got to make sure that the common sense that all the government showed 
during this pandemic, uh, we retain that because it's too easy for them to go back into, and they're all working hard to get that, but they go into government mode. It makes it very difficult for us to navigate and be responsive like we have been for the last two years. Yeah. Well, yeah, they need to change. We know that from the liquor business. We know the supply (laughs) issue thing, too. I mean, I I don't know. It's kind of a nice word for raising prices uh, at this point. Uh, It would be fun to get, you know, just get things back on track. And uh, great to hear from you, Ian. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, We'll look forward to uh, perhaps some announcements later in the month about more opening up. Even though we never did close, I think we, we've done a fantastic job of sort of shepherding through this uh, crisis, but it would be nice to get back to normal. I think that uh, British Columbia, I can actually say this, our restaurant industry were closed the least number of days in all of North America. I mean, you know this industry so well, and they've been so responsive and so yeah. committed to the cause. So uh, thanks, Anthony. I look forward to talking to you real soon again. Yep, great. Uh, Ian Tossenson, he's the president and CEO of the BC Restaurant Association. We've been talking about Dine Around uh, Town. Now, you can check that out at uh, dineround.ca to look for perhaps some of the events going on in your region or in your town uh, and take advantage of them uh, while you can. Up next, we are going to speak with Phil McGann. He's the chief winemaker at Checkmate Artisanal Winery on the Golden Mile Bench. You're listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Anthony Gismondi, and we'll be right back. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. Committed to handcrafting wines of distinction in Cowichan Valley, Unsworth Vineyards and Restaurant is a celebration of all things Vancouver Island. From a seasonally inspired menu showcasing fresh, local, sustainable ingredients to exceptional service and award-winning wines, Unsworth Vineyards gives bold new meaning to -to farm-to-table cuisine. Enjoy a delectable menu in a gorgeous restaurant where casual meets elegant. Sip and savor refreshingly delicious wines overlooking panoramic vineyard views. Reserve today at unsworthvineyards.com. Bold. Award-winning. Discover Gold. It's a season for big, bold red wines at Gold Hill Winery in Oliver. We've built our reputation on age-worthy Bordeaux-style reds. Join our wine club today and receive a $25 gift along with other fantastic benefits. For more information, go to goldhillwinery.com. Discover Gold. Gold Hill Winery on the beautiful Golden Mile Bench in Oliver. Online, goldhillwinery.com. Smoking Loon believes that good wine doesn't need to take itself so seriously. This simple premise has guided them for over two decades to produce wines crafted for those with an appetite for adventure, like their Smoking Loon Syrah. So whether you're relaxing dockside or simply enjoying a well-deserved evening at home, bring along a taste of cottage country. Uncork and discover a rare bird at a BC liquor store near you. Or visit SmokingLoon.com. Invest in one of the fastest growing real estate markets in Canada. Green Square Vert is a modern collection of condos and townhomes in the heart of Kelowna's vibrant lower mission. Offering thoughtfully designed one to four bedroom units starting as low as 399000 Located just steps from Kelowna's best shopping, beaches, schools, and more. Rent your unit worry-free with access to top property management firms. For more info on Green Square Vert, visit greensquare.ca. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. I got bills, I gotta pay, so I'm gonna 
Hello, British Columbia, and uh, welcome back to the show. Our next guest is Phil McGann. He's the winemaker at Checkmate Artisanal Winery, uh, located on the Golden Mile Bench in the South Okanagan. Uh, Phil, how are you today? Oh, I'm good, thanks, Tony. Yeah, I'm mostly thanks. Yeah. You, you? you always you always sound so laid back. Uh, is everything under control? Or <laughs> yeah, I think things are mostly under control. Yeah, so um, yeah, it's good to have a laid back approach. I think. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's February. I don't know what it is, first or second. What What happens in a winery in February? Well, February actually, January and February are pretty busy months uh, for us. Um, as soon as we come back from the Christmas period, we get into we generally rack and return um, the current vintage of reds. So all the merlots have been racked and returned from the twenty twenty one vintage. Um, then we sorry, sorry, and that means. Sorry, that means you've taken it out of the barrel and yeah, put so it we back take in it a barrel? Out of any leaves that have settled out because we drain straight right. from tank to the barrel. Uh, mm-hmm. So you get this precipitation of leaves. And, and the leaves, you know, for your are kind of, they can be an enemy because they're a source for spoilage bacteria or yeast like Botanomyces. So we want to sure. get them off those leaves as soon as we can. And then we go back to barrel uh, the same day. Uh, and then we've done that process and now we're in the process of putting our 2020 Chardonnays to tank uh, pre-bottling. So they'll have about two months in tank uh, coming out of barrel. So they, the, and wines are pretty broad when you come out of barrel. They've been in barrel about uh, 15, 16 months. So going to tank actually um, kind of lets them to bring some tension back into the wine. And so they'll be in tank for about two months before we bottle in March. So the team's busy doing that this week. Yeah. Yeah. So they're tightening up the wine, so to speak. Pretty much, yeah. I I find that it just sets the wines up for better longevity, yeah, over time. Yeah. yeah so. Uh, yeah. What's your take? Uh, what What's your take on twenty twenty one? I know it's early, but you've you've had the wines around for a bit. What? Do, how do you feel about them? Yeah, the twenty twenty one, the Chardonnays, you know, are pretty much on on course for for previous years. There's a lot of there's very low yielding year in twenty one, so there's a lot of concentration in the Chardonnays. A lot of nice mm-hmm. fruit coming through. Um, also the acidity, you know, it's, it was a warm year, but there's still nice acidity in the wine. And the other thing is ever since we've, you know, incorporated organics into our farming and, uh, 2021 is actually the first year where we're certified organic for the farming. It, um, the, the sugar levels are, are much more in unison with the actual ripening. So our alcohols are, are coming down from say in the earlier days when we'd be around 14 to low 14. Now we're around yeah. the, the low 13s to, say, mid 13s. So wow. it's, um, it's been a nice transition in that way over the years. So it's very interesting in that respect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I wonder if organics will help uh, fight heat domes and uh, wildfires and uh, all the calamities that have uh, happened this year in the Okanagan. I, I can't <laughs> believe I, I don't know if there's anything left to happen, uh, but it, it was a tough year in the, uh, for was, many in the vineyard. It was one for the ages, but certainly, um, you know, the, the vineyard team, you know, Rob, HS and Devin Medvin and their, their crews did an amazing job. Um, yeah. You know, they really had to, with, with that heat dome, they really had to change their focus to, you know, making sure the vines, you know, got the water they needed and that uh, their, their pure focus for that big heat spike there in July was really just to um, focus on that. And then from there, once they got through that, they got back into the farming. But also the organics yeah. actually... It, don't send things like it, it brings down um, your canopy. You don't have a big version of canopy 
anymore. It, it opens up the vines more naturally. And that actually, yeah. you know, in years where you have things like smoke, it, the, the grapes aren't in contact with, uh, you know, with um, the leaves and things like that. So it, it actually helps mitigate a lot of those factors as well, keeping the vines nice and open. Yeah. Sure. Hey, uh, I want to talk about a couple of wines. Before we get into the Chardonnay, uh, you you uh, have pretty interesting project that you headed up at the winery with old uh, California clones. Can you tell us what's happened with those Chardonnay vines and how they're doing and maybe where they yeah, are? So, yeah, so the, the home vineyard where the wine is situated is uh, the Combray Vineyard, the old domain Combray site. Um, so we had we only kept three blocks in that in that on that site. There was an old the old older Chardonnay that we have, planted nineteen seventy three. We've kept that block. We've kept some Merlot that was planted around uh, nineteen ninety nine. And there's also yeah. a, a very small old block of Cabernet Franc that we've kept for posterity reasons, which is about the same age as the Chardonnay. And the mm-hmm. rest of the site has been replanted. Um, so we took the opportunity to bring up a selection of California heritage clones. Uh, Things like uh, Old Buente, which is uh, also Hyde Buente, uh, Mount Eden, um, uh, and things like that. Also out of Washington, the Prosser clone. And also planted some of the more recent Dijon clones and things like that. And these wines, uh, it was really the first commercial kind of crop that we got this year from from those vines. Mm-hmm. And you know, some of them are really quite stunning. We also have some mass selection blocks. So, you know, we have the, the clone 548, which is the Dijon was really really fantastic, very fruit forward. The um the the California Mass Selection, which is a it's a like a selection muscle or or just a random planting of these four or five California clones. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful tropical and, and kind of fruits and things like lychee as well kind of thrown it. The Mount Eden is just uh, you know, almost passion fruit in what it's what it's presenting. You get this richness from the Hyde Wente. So a really they're really gonna help uh supplement the Queen's Advantage, which is the old the old vines, which is a single vineyard wine. But also, I think with um, the old Wente, which is landed on the Declaver the, the property next door, um, we can really look forward. My hope is that we can look forward to another another Chardonnay, which will be kind of a combination of those two, two home boxes, yeah. we, or two home vineyards, as we tend to call them. So, yeah. Right. Our guest is uh, Phil McGann. He's the chief winemaker at Checkmate uh, Artisanal Winery. Phil, uh, we could talk about, you have so many wines, I decided we'd talk about two wines to maybe talk a little bit about how things work with you. So let's let's pick the Queen's Advantage Chardonnay. You just mentioned it. Uh, what can you tell our listeners about this wine and uh, why they might want to get some? So Queen's Advantage is, is the made from the oldest wines on the Combo site. So, mm-hmm. like I said, planted in 1973. It's, uh, it's in itself a bit of a, a, a field selection block. We know there's at least two different clones of Chardonnay in there. Uh, we don't know what they are because there's, there's no records of it. Yeah. Um, but what you get here, it's, what's really unique about this wine is that it's planted in the very rocky section of the fluvial sand. So as you know, the Golden Mile Bench is kind of that the, the mountains above kind of collapsed and all the rocks yeah. and soil came down, uh, which overlays the sandy base. Um, so in this this vineyard we've done soil pits and the amount of rock material is really incredible and and these old vines tap in around these rocks and so you get this kind of uh, wet stone or kind of mineral element coming up through the wines through the mm-hmm. through the vine and expresses in the wine and also you just get this rich opulent fruit um, that comes from this this wine it's to me it's a very traditional kind of Chardonnay clone it gives you that richness and opulence 
which together with the fact it's a cool site and um, our wines aren't filtered, it, it means that they've gone through malolactic mal- mal- fermentation. That brings a lot of richness in itself because there's a lot of, when we pick the fruit, there's a lot of, the malic acid is really quite high mm-hmm. in these in the, in the fruit, so we get a lot of texture come through in that wine. Yeah, I mean, it's a delicious... It's a delicious, complex wine, and, and as you mentioned, the, the sun going down behind Mount Kobo means that they don't bake all afternoon. You get this minerality and freshness. Uh, uh, I would mm-hmm. say congratulations. It, I've been waiting for wines like this for so long in B.C. We're making great wine now. We need to make complex wine, too, uh, and uh, this is certainly one of them. Uh, let's turn to Merlot before we run out of time because Merlot is that, that uh, kind of a – uh, a maligned grape variety, but you have done an outstanding job. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about opening Gambit. Where does that uh, come from uh, down uh, in terms of the vineyards? Yeah, so opening Gambit's from down uh, at a sawyer. So it's usually um, there's three primary Merlot blocks that, that tend to go into it. Um, two on the uh, Border Vista vineyard, which is also where one of our Chardonnays come, comes from. Uh, two different clones, clone 181 and another one 347. Um, one is a bigger, bigger cluster, bigger berries, and the other one is more smaller, concentrated berries. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the base of Anarchist Mountain, um, on the vineyard there, as you go up the highway, it's a very steep vineyard site, um, yeah. different orientation, and uh, I think it's clone 181 as well. Just tends to give a bit more uh, vibrancy as well into the wine. Um, so yeah, what you get is it's, it's, it's a warm site down there, but also you tend to get this real elegant kind of character come through. You get the tannins are quite quite ripe, but they're also very they're very classy tannins to me. So I find that you get a great expression of kind of cherry and cassis characters from down there, uh, and you get this palette that has um, it extends a long way, but, and there's probably more classic tannins in some of the some of the other ones that we make. <laughs> Uh, we love the dog, Phil. We love the dog. Uh, <laughs> I know. I, 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 I hate to ask this question, but I think I'm going to get a good answer this time. Is the winery finished? The winery is just about finished. Yeah, the tasting room is is complete and it's been open and operating now since the last season, um, last season. So it's uh, currently open during uh, the winter period. Um, basically, have our tournament. Um, uh, tasting experience going at the moment, which is a selection of four wines, two Chardonnays and two Merlots. And the team is really gearing up for the, the coming season. Uh, they have a Valentine's Day um, season where they're partnered with a, a, a chocolate producer uh, for a, a nice romantic tasting there. And yeah. uh, also in the, in the for the coming summer, they're looking to pair with some artisan uh, producers to, to really kind of implement a really nice kind of uh, wine tasting and uh, and food pairing. Yeah. Right on, and and so Anthony's selected all the couches now and all the chairs. Everything's complete, or yeah, it's all done. It's uh, I think you had the opportunity to go there recently, and it's kind of has a nice private club sort of feel about it. Um, yeah. yeah, the views are stunning. You know, both outside across the vineyard, down looking down into Washington State, down the valley, and then you've also got the the view into the workings of the winery. So yeah. the, with a little nod to the history, the, the cinder block building, which has now been wrapped, and uh, you can see what the team are doing down in the cellar. Um, so, yeah, so it's, uh, it's a nice place to have a really nice kind of elevated wine tasting experience, I think. 
It, it's fantastic. Uh, Phil, and great to catch up with you today. I want to thank you for your time. Uh, I know how busy you guys are at this time of the year, but uh, thanks for the update on both uh, Queen's Advantage and on uh, opening Gambit. All of these wines are available, folks, online. You can go to checkmatewinery.com to check out uh, the availability, pricing, delivery, all the rest of it. Phil, thanks so much for joining us today. You're welcome, Tony. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, we'll catch up soon. Yeah, thank you. Uh, folks, that's it for this week's show. Special thanks to our technical producer in the Vancouver studio, Darren Regan. Our broadcast is available weekly on the radio. Uh, it's also on demand. Uh, it's across all the major podcast platforms, including SoundCloud, Google, Apple, you name it, we're on it. Uh, but for all of us at the show now, I'm wishing you a relaxing weekend. Don't forget, we'll be back next week across the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. That's it for today's show. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. 